I think one thing you learn in anybody, when you get start seeing success, you want everybody else around you to start seeing that success as well. But not everybody wants to take that same journey as you. And so that that has been my my most recent challenge and trying to figure out how I can support my family because uh, that is my ultimate goal. Today, marketing on Facebook, Instagram is all about just being an actual marketer, you know, testing new angles and really understanding your, your data, I think is most important and learning how to scale there. It's not no tactical strategies that you saw back in 2018 where they'll have a hundred campaigns, a hundred ads, and they're just spending $2 a day on each one. Like that's my favorite quote, figure it out. It, it makes people hate me sometimes no, because I say it so much, especially when I'm, they're asking me for advice that things I don't know, they want me to go search it up. I'm like, figure it out because that's what we had to do our whole journey. So on today's episode, you're going to hear the story of an e-commerce founder who runs two e-commerce brands and started out his journey as an account manager at Facebook or Meta. It's a great episode you do not want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hello, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your host, Quinny Campbell, and this is a podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail, or we could say digital commerce insights for retail and e-commerce teams. So each week on this podcast, we interview a commerce expert or a founder at a digital native consumer brand or representative from a best-in-class e-commerce SaaS platform. We give them a tight remit to give you ideas you could test right away on your brand so you can improve e-commerce growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately your gross merchant value or sales. We're here to help you sell more sustainably and we tell stories, you know, um, brand stories. Now, speaking of which, this episode you're about to listen to is a very heartwarming, um, you know, um, conversation I had with Trey Bronner, who is a serial entrepreneur. Um, he has two seven figure businesses. I don't really like talking about like seven figure, eight figure and all of that stuff. But he, when he gave me his backstory and he gave me, you know, where he is now, I was like, you know, just 
blown away. I was blown away by Trey. Um, certainly something you want to listen to in, in terms of black story. Um, he worked in Facebook actually. So we talk a lot about like tactics on, on meta advertising. He, he worked there and then it was from Facebook. He actually used, so it's Facebook when he worked in Facebook, this is really, really interesting. Um, and you, when you listen to this, 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 this episode, when he worked in Facebook, Facebook used to give the employees ad credits. It was like four or 500, you know, bucks a, a month to their employees to test ads. And he was the only employee in Facebook Chicago that utilized it and then took the ad credits from his other colleagues to actually start his e-commerce business, which eventually is what we talk about today. How brilliant is that? You know, if, if I have to say that, you know, just totally, totally brilliant. Um, so, so, so Trey, Trey, no, Trey was, he's, you know, um, he calls himself a problem solver. Um, so he has this brand called, um, Bamboo Ave, you know, Bamboo Ave and, it's, it's a fitness, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's an apparel brand. And then he has another brand, um, which is in the art, um, space, interior art space. Um, really, 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 really interesting. Um, and he did all this from Bali. He, he when we recorded this conversation, he had just moved to the States again. Um, he was in Austin, Texas, and he was like, <clears throat> I'm not really fitting this life back in America again, but Interesting. What did we talk about? We talked about his story, his backstory. We we talked about how he started the brands. We talked about um, you know, um, meta advertising. We talked about retention. We talked about product quality. Um, really interesting in terms of sustainability. Um, and we talked about greenwashing was something he didn't want to do. We talk about leaning on advice, you know, um, with 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 trusted people. Man, as in I. I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed um, speaking with Trey. He's, he's just cool. This guy is just, you know, calm and cool, you know, and yeah, um, a very, very memorable one for sure. Um, enjoy this episode and I shall catch you near the side. Cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get going faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Non, and Chubbies. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Hey, Trey, welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, been looking forward to this conversation. Um, we've been speaking with um with your team. Love the backstory. Um, for 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 for, for listeners, I, I'd really like them to to dig into your 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 backstory. Let's start out with with your childhood and and how just that linked up to to college, which which I believe you you um 
you you did in in or parts of it in Thailand, which is which is which is fascinating in in of itself. So, what kind of childhood you? Where did you grow up? Um, what kind of childhood did you have? And and how did it sort of um, you know connect to 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 to, to college and, um, and and adulthood? Yeah, good question. So, I actually never talked about this. I actually don't talk about my childhood too much on podcasts and public things. But and the reason being is because I don't like to use my my circumstances as a projection of where my future should be. But basically I was raised by a single mother. Um, she was incarcerated for 10 years of my life. And so it wasn't always easy growing up, but in my opinion, um, I ha- I'm the oldest of 11 as well. And so I've always been the leader in my family. So going to college right away was my biggest focus in leading and setting us, setting an example for my family. And I graduated from UW-Madison, uh, which is in Wisconsin, which is a pretty good university in the States. And from there, I would just worked really hard to um, get my my dream job at Facebook. But before doing that, actually, I, I skipped over the part of I had an opportunity to study abroad in Bangkok. And short story, basically, my roommate said, hey, do you want some free pizza? And I was like, yeah. And he took me to the study abroad event at my university. And that's where I learned about Bangkok and studying abroad. And so I told my family about this experience and they just really supported me and pushed me to do it. They've never done that. Um, we've only traveled out the country at that point one time before I studied abroad, and that was to Dominican Republic for a vacation. So we were not avid travelers at all, and it was a big step for me. Um, but taking that study abroad trip changed my life forever. So I always wanted to work hard and be the CEO, and I had all these internships during college, and I wanted to work my way up the, ca- the corporate calendar. Uh, corporate ladder. But then when I studied abroad, it all changed. It was all about just making sure I'm living a fulfilling life. I met my partner, Mariah, who also runs our businesses with me. Um, She's also my partner in life. We've been together for six years. And so that's kind of my story on what kind of motivated me to live this fulfilling life. And so I got my job at Facebook and my job was to teach all these brands on how to advertise. And I I just wasn't as fulfilled as I was when I was studying abroad. And I got a chance to travel for three months more after college um, around the world. And I just wanted to live that again. And so I took that experience at Facebook and learned as much as I could. I treated like a boot camp, basically. And I said, I want to start my own business. And so that's what kind of led to me being an entrepreneur and traveling the world as well. Incredible. And incredible. I didn't know. So, yeah. It's, 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 it's funny how like, um, you know, tough circumstances shape, you know, our perspective. It's sometimes it's about internal perspective. Um, yeah, sometimes about internal perspective. And if you can sort of shift those challenges to, to goals, which, which you, you clearly had, which is, I need to go to university. I will go to university and you walked your way to university and then in university you said you had to to get that you know job um a, a facebook and and then there was the, the 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 study the the study abroad program which which exposed you to 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 to, to living abroad and, and and true freedom through travel um yeah th- those are really uh, yeah really 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 impactful stuff thank you for for sharing trey yeah okay so wisconsin it's yeah um it's a cold state. It's it's yeah 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 it is. Um, I don't want to dwell too much into 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 that story, but um, 
you you were the first child first child at 11 yeah so so you're you're a leader there in, yeah. in itself so people are looking up to you and people still look up to you um how do you balance sort of you know living now you know as as an entrepreneur with with family how, how do you sort of create that balance well as far as um spending time with family i i have a limited amount of time, honestly, because I am an entrepreneur. But um, yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges for me uh, personally is showing and giving my family the amount of time and effort so they can do the same route. And okay. so um, I think one thing you learn in anybody, when you get start seeing success, you want everybody else around you to start seeing that success as well. But not everybody wants to take that same journey as you. And so that that has been my my most recent challenge and trying to figure out how I can support my family, because um, that is my ultimate goal is to support my family, take them to Bali, Indonesia, show them the world and show them like how much that we were missing out on. Mm. Um, and I want to show them how many opportunities there are to make money online, start businesses and things like that. But you also have to understand that not everybody wants to take that route. And um, that's kind of like the balance I've been trying to figure out how much to push them versus how much to pull them. Yeah. Sometimes it's just by example. Sometimes you can only do what you can do. And, you know, sometimes it's, they just need your presence. They just need to see, you know, what is possible and they find their way. You know, I've seen, um, but but yeah, super, super interesting. It's, it it is, I've also seen circumstances in which, um, you know, um, you you try and force um, your your thought on on about success to 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 a relative. It could be to a niece, nephew, what have you, a sibling, and and it's not just quite right for them, you know. Um, so you let them sort of pave pave their way, so long as they know you're you're there. Yes. Yeah, so me, I was gonna say. So me being the oldest, my mom is always like, Trey did this. You should do you should do this to my younger siblings." And so they right. built this like resentment, like. I, I don't want to betray. I, I want to figure it out myself, and so that's the balance that I'm trying to figure out. Right, it's it's a tough one, and the key thing is just you know, I guess being present and listening to to what they have to say, and you know, supporting them in 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 any way you can. Um, I'm speaking to, to to personal circumstances myself. Um, so so yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It's it's a tough one. Um, but but yeah, thanks for for sharing anyway. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks. So when you started out in uh, Facebook, um, was was it at Wisconsin or did you have to 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 to, to go to California to, for the job? So actually, the job was in Chicago, and okay, uh, I was again, I was very fortunate as you. As anybody, we we get lucky in these random situations. And so I was working my, I was working so hard to get a job at Microsoft or Amazon or any tech company, but Facebook was not on my radar. And I just barely applied to Facebook and I got denied right away. Then I got a call the next week and she was like, hey, actually we have a role in Chicago. And I was like, this is perfect. And so I didn't get any of those other jobs I worked so hard for. I was networking and meeting people over the summer. And then Facebook just kind of landed on my lap, even though I felt like I prepared so much, but not necessarily for Facebook. Interesting. Interesting. And you got to, to serve. So you, were you like, like an enterprise account manager? What was the, the job role at, at um, Facebook? So yeah, Facebook, I was an account manager. So I worked with 
it, it, it ranged but around 50 clients per quarter. Um, that's spending over like $5 million in ads each each quarter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and my goal was basically to, to support them whenever they had any questions on the technical side, not necessarily, but questions about strategy. How can I scale my account? How can I get better performance? And so my job was to learn the platform on the back end and learn from the best practices across all these other successful businesses and share it with my book of business. Okay. So from your 50 or so clients you, you, you worked with, there must've been like a top five, like they're just killing it, like totally utilizing every single leverage they could, you know, off the back of the Facebook advertising platforms without naming names or giving, giving names to, to these advertisers. What common thread did you notice in these top performing accounts? Yeah, good question. So this is kind of a bummer answer, to be honest, uh, but I worked in the CPG space. So mm-hmm. that's consumer packaged goods. So this is yeah. selling more in store. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really get to see the results necessarily. But mm-hmm. with the caveat, I did get to see a lot of successful brands because I had teammates who worked on different accounts and different type of businesses. And I think one thing I learned there is more on a tactical side, but it was how much um, the DABA, dynamic ads, uh, where it's just showing your product, how much, how successful those ads can be. I have brands spending like $20,000 a day on just um, DABA campaigns, where it's just showing a product, no videos, no cool graphics, just the product with a white background. And to me, like as I started really learning the DABA side of it, um, it just really showed me like there's so many things that you can do on this platform and I should definitely start testing myself. Otherwise, I'll be here forever. Interesting. And and then you okay, let, let's let's still go back. So 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 do you use Dapper ads now, dynamic product ads? Yeah, I use it, but it's not as successful for our brands. So I, <laughs> okay. I thought it would be, but it, it wasn't. And a lot of the things that I learned when I was at Facebook, they're not applicable now with the iOS updates and just so much, how much the platform has shifted. And today, marketing on Facebook, Instagram, is all about just being an actual marketer, you know, testing new angles and really understanding your your data, I think is most important. And learning how to scale there. It's not no tactical strategies that you saw back in 2018 where they'll have a hundred campaigns, a hundred ads, and they're just spending two dollars a day on each one. Those strategies don't necessarily work anymore, is from what I see. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I guess what I was trying to say is the 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 tactical side of Facebook that I learned so much about when I was there is not applicable anymore. It, you just have to be a marketer, not an advertiser anymore. Okay, so are you implying that it's very much also dependent on your creatives now? Um, so how how do you? Uh, we're still going to get into your brands, but um, what have you taken? Uh, so wh- how are you approaching ads? What's the most important component in a Facebook campaign or Facebook account now um, for for advertisers from your point of view running your brand because you have two brands. Yeah. We, so we didn't get into the brands, but because I have two, it, it, what I learned the most is data is the most important. 
And the reason I say data is the most important is because for one of my brands, asset or ads don't really work as far as being creative. The only thing that really works is the DABA side of it. But then I have another business where it's only videos that works. And the reason why I say data is really important is because you really have to understand that each brand is different and that the consumers are different and how they react to the platform is very different. And so making sure that you understand the data, you're testing a lot and looking to see what that data tells you to Mm -hmm. make the decision. Because if I, since I have two businesses, if I use the same strategy on both of them, we probably would be done already running a business because they're total different strategies for each business. And it all comes down to the data that we keep learning. Super interesting. So, so back to, to, to Chicago, Facebook, how long did you last? I lasted, I, at Facebook, I lasted two years. It was like, two I, years, quit, so that's still, I, I put, quite a stint. Yeah. Yeah. I quit like two weeks before my two year face versary is what they call it. So okay. my teammates all had a big celebration. I missed it. Um, and it was during COVID as well. So I thought it was the right move for us financially. I thought it was the right move for us. And we were just ready. Yeah. Yeah. And where, when did you start um, seriously considering you know, a, a new career through entrepreneurship in, at Facebook? At about what, what period? Was it 12 months or? Yeah. I'll say... Uh, um, Six months. It was six, six months, months yeah. at Facebook. Again, I, I really loved the job at Facebook. And like, if I had to work a nine to five again, it would be Facebook mm. and that culture I was in at that, at that moment. But I, I knew that I was missing out on so much that I wanted to do in life, especially being young that I am. So I wanted to travel and I knew Facebook wasn't allowing me to do so. They give you, they give you a, lot, a month off in the US of vacation or 21 days. But to me, that wasn't enough. I wanted to travel a lot more. So after six months, it was actually January 1st. I was just looking at a note on my iPhone today. I made a resolution, just start the business. And by March 15th, I said, I need to have products in my hand of samples. And by June 1st, I need to start it. So within a year working at Facebook, we did start our Bamboo Ave. Yeah, wow. And then um, how did you get your first 100 customers at Bamboo Ave? Okay, let's talk about Bamboo Ave itself. So Bamboo Ave, do you want to, you guys sell sustainable apparel. You started out with shorts. You're now, you know, venturing into, you know, t-shirts, other accessories. And I believe next year you'd be um, into women's apparel. So it's a, at the moment, a, a men's apparel brand, which will be changing fairly soon. Do you want to give us the genesis of, of Bamboo Ave, um, your why, your story, and and then, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, give us those those initial building blocks. Um, so how you started, please. Yeah. So Bamboo Ave, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a sustainable apparel business. Um, we like to say athleisure. I think that's a big trending topic, in, in, at least in the U.S., And what that means is we're trying to build products that are versatile for almost everything. Whether you're going on a hike, you're working out, you're lounging, watching Netflix, you're working from home. We're trying to build those products that are so comfortable, so versatile to do so. And 
how we started or why we decided to do this was just because we wanted to start a business and we wanted to build a product that really embodied what we cared about. And that was at the time living abroad and moving to Bali. So we wanted to come out with products that resembled that. So we started off with men's shorts. It was swim trunks, actually, to be very particular. At the beginning, it was swim trunks. We were selling swim trunks for men. After a, uh, six months of running that business, it wasn't crazy successful from day one, I'll say. It wasn't. But after running it for six months, we sent a survey to all of our customers and said, hey, how are you liking the shorts? And then a whole bunch of questions on how they're using it. And what we found out was that because we didn't put inner, inner liner or inner mesh into it, they were using it for working from home. They were using it to walk their dogs. They weren't wearing it for swim trunks all the time. And that's when we decided that we really wanted to be in this athleisure space, this building products that embody the lifestyle we live. We don't, we don't just do one thing a day. And so we're, we're running, we're working, we're doing all these things, walking our dog. And so we wanted to build products around that. And how I acquired our first hundred customers this is where I become very privileged and I, I acknowledge this. I worked at Facebook and Facebook gave us $250 per month per employee to run ads. They call it dog fooding to test out the ads. Mm-hmm. So as long as you made less than $50,000 in revenue, you can test out on your own brand. So mm-hmm. they actually encouraged it. <clears throat> so when it comes to getting my first 100 customers, probably first 300 customers or something, I was using Facebook's money and incredible. The, the, the knowledge they gave me. I was able to get my friends all at Facebook like, hey, can I get your $250 this month? Because they weren't using it. No one was using it. It was just a, a employee benefit if you wanted to. And so definitely privileged in that in that regard. Yeah, didn't know about that. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So did 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 any other colleague of yours um you know have a, a brand of the, of their own? Good question. No, like I I mean in the Chicago office there was like 500 of us in that office. From my knowledge, I was the only one with a, a business that was taken wow. serious. Well, wow. when I was leaving though, after mm-hmm. 6 months, it was starting to pop up everywhere. Everyone was starting a business and Facebook changed their whole rules. You cannot dog food anymore. So I don't know how much I had to contribute to that, but, and there also are, just to say, there's a lot of people who worked at Facebook who have their own businesses now, but in my office, there was no one in the sales side doing it. Hmm. Super interesting. Super interesting. Um, You know, Marketing is one thing, you know, advertising, driving traffic is one thing, but, but the, the actual product research, building a brand, um, getting suppliers, fulfilling orders, customer service. When did you, when did this start to emerge as, you know, really serious functions of, of your business? This is speaking to your first brand. Um, you know, Bamboo Ave, when did you yeah. really start to to dig in um, with, with, with all of these functions outside of marketing? Yeah. So to even go a little further than that, what we learned right away, marketing and advertising are, to me, I say they're totally differently or different topics. What I learned at Facebook is how to advertise and how to push out the, the marketing. 
I didn't know how to market at that time. I didn't know how to actually connect to consumers, how to really sell my product until I read the book, um, Building a Brand Story or Building a Story Brand, something like that. And it was that book transitioned us so far. It was like, we're not just selling shorts. We're actually selling the lifestyle that you can live in these shorts. That's what we're selling. So that was step one. And step two, like as far as fulfillment, every part of our business, even today, we have to figure it out. Like that's my favorite quote, figure it out. It, it makes people hate me sometimes uh, because I say it so much, especially when I'm, they're asking me for advice that things I don't know, they want me to go search it up. I'm like, figure it out because that's what we had to do our whole journey. We were fulfilling from our apartment complex for the first year. Every morning, like at 6 a.m., we would get up, see how many orders we had, um, fulfill them in our living room. And then take them to the USPS and then go to work um, on the way. So every day was figuring it out, our branding. We're still figuring out everything every single day. I think if someone tells you they're not, then they're they're lying. But I think that's the, the true part about entrepreneurship. If you can figure it out, you will succeed. If you can't, you probably won't succeed. Yeah, super, super, super interesting. Okay, so... With with Bamboo Bamboo Avenue, um, the 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 name seems to suggest that your the fabric is is bamboo, um, bamboo Avenue. Was this intentional? Um, and and how did you figure out the supply chain um, of like bamboo manufacturing, you know, bamboo apparel manufacturers, and 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 the rest? You know, how did you? Because a lot of people get so stuck in the in that bit of product development you know going to market you did mention that you were listening to certain podcast um i'd like you to share the podcast that that you know so fired you up you know that um to to, to get in the product or how to you know um how to market and then if you could just outline um just those steps those initial steps you, you you did to get your prototype and to to get the first production run through um that would be quite insightful yeah so to start off i have to actually correct you so we named our business bamboo Ave before we even knew we wanted a business hmm. we named it because we were traveling in southeast asia and we saw this road full of bamboo and we're like we're just sitting at a cafe and we just thought it was a good name, Bamboo Ave. We were saying Bamboo Streets and all that. Anyway, so that name is how Bamboo Ave was originated. So two, three years later, when we started a business, that's we were like, it's going to be called Bamboo Ave. The initial goal was to use bamboo fabric. That was the initial goal. But when we first started, we didn't even focus on that. We focused on just getting started because I listened to how I built this podcast. And mm. that is the number one advice they give you. Just get started, just get started, just get started. I even wrote this quote down today um, that I also heard on there. It said, learn to fail or fail to learn. And so mm. for us, it was all about just getting started. So when we first started, we did not use bamboo and we just use uh, polyester shorts. Now, fast forward almost four years later, we still don't use bamboo, but we use, and I'll get into that in a second, but we use recycled coconuts and recycled plastic bottles to make our Mm -hmm. shorts. The reason why we're using that instead of bamboo is because what we've learned from our research and from other big companies' research like Patagonia is turning bamboo 
into the softest and most comfortable fabric is actually one of the least sustainable fabrics to use. And so if we want to build a brand about being sustainable, we learned that using bamboo is kind of, they call it greenwashing. Again, I knew nothing about this. This is us learning as we went. Someone told me in Tulum, I was at this networking event and I told him Bamboo Ave and he was like, you better not be using bamboo. And he told me everything I've done in research since like six different times. And every time it's the same result is bamboo is the most sustainable plant, but it's not the most sustainable material once it's broken down into this soft, really comfortable shirt. So we found an alternative. Hmm. And I can get into that. Yes. Yes, please. Let, let's, yeah. let's, let's jump, jump right in. And um, it'd be quite interesting to understand how you made the transition and the uptake from customers, you know, um, and whether you needed to make any compromises on, on quality um, or, you know, if quality has actually even improved in, in terms of the feel, the look and feel of the, the materials. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R. GIAS.com and mention 2x e commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2x e commerce. Yeah. So when we first started, 
finding a supplier is very straightforward from our experience. We use Alibaba. Our suppliers are in China. And they have a lot of tools on Alibaba to really vet out good suppliers, such as how long they've been in business. Do they have a an audit? And you can actually see their audits on the their Alibaba profiles. How much revenue they get from the U.S. in different markets to really understand if they're actually producing products. And so that was step one. So we picked out five maybe six different top suppliers that we felt confident with. Now, this is back in 2019 when we were first starting just on basic products um, or basic fabric. And what we did is we ordered samples from all of them. And we kind of made our decision before we even got the fabric or got the samples, to be honest. We kind of based it on the relationship that we were building with them. We can tell who was just trying to make an order versus someone who's actually trying to commit to growing our business. Because we were starting out just right there. That was our first product we ever developed. And we actually picked, at that time, we picked one supplier. And the supplier we picked is actually the supplier who made our logo. So we told them we don't have a logo. And they said, we can help you with that. And so they helped us make the logo. And that's the logo we still use today for Bamboo Ave. And we still use a supplier. We still have, we have five now. Um, but that, that supplier really helped us at the beginning. And I, I encourage people who are looking to start, especially in the clothing space, leveraging Alibaba and finding a good supplier because they will help you so much if you ask for it. We were trying to, when we first started in that January, 2019, we were really trying to find a supplier in the U S and it just wasn't feasible for us. They were talking like $7,000 right away just for a tech sample, a tech pack, just yeah, a, tech pack. a tech pack, and uh, which is just a document that tells you all the details about the short. At that moment, in, when we first started, we knew nothing about shorts. We knew nothing about fabric. And so we needed to really rely, rely like on a consultant, I would say, to kind of lead us in the right direction. And our supplier did that for us. They told us, you should use this fabric, you shouldn't use this. And they gave us reasoning, or you shouldn't use this zipper. And they pretty much helped us design our product. Um, so my recommendation there is just making sure that you leverage yeah, Alibaba, in my case, and making sure that you're vetting your suppliers, but making sure that you feel like they're really good partners. And yeah. if you feel so, make sure the product's good, obviously. Um, but then you should be... Um, good moving forward. As far as, and sorry, I want to just say the last part. So after year one, we were doing pretty well now and we knew we wanted to make that transition to the sustainability part. And so we, again, we leaned on our supplier to give us a whole bunch of options on what we could leverage that wasn't bamboo. And then they came and introduced us to this Cocotex, which is upcycled coconuts. And recycled plastic bottles from Reprieve, which is like this worldwide known brand for recycled plastic bottle material. And so we got a whole bunch of samples of those and we loved it. It's way better than our first product that we ever came out with. Fabric, touch. And the reason being is we make our own custom fabric now. You can't just buy this in the market. They have to Mm -hmm. actually get all the raw materials, the coconuts, the plastic bottles, do the whole grazing process and all that. And so now we have a lot more control on our product than we did when we're just doing standard. Mm. Mm. Super interesting, super interesting. And and then how do you communicate, you know, this painstaking process to customers or customers to be? 
Um, and what kind of feedback do you get, you know, from them when you, when this is communicated? Regarding bamboo? Um, the, the, the upcycle, the, the process, you know, the process, the, 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 the process of, of, of making the fabrics with, with the upcycled, you know, um, coconuts and, um, and the recycled bottles. What, what, what is the reaction when you explain, um, you know, this process to customers, to your customers and, um, yeah. How do you communicate to, to your customers, um, you know, this, this, this process? Yeah. So that's something that we're working on. I'll say we're always working on. We, I'll give you like the high level, what we think about sustainability for our customers. And that is, it's just a check a box for a customer right now in our market. Mm-hmm. We don't see, when looking at our post-purchase surveys and why they bought from Bamboo Ave, it's not that much sustainability, actually. And so we don't actually focus on it. We are focus on marketing it. We focus on producing sustainable products, but we don't focus on marketing it because every time we focus on it or try to really emphasize how sustainable we are than other brands or whatever the case is, the results don't really come through on Facebook and Instagram marketing. And two, what we find out is that it's kind of just a check of box. I kind of learned that in a different podcast I was listening to, but we found that actually resemble our brand as well. People buy our product because what we're helping them live this versatile or lifestyle that they don't have to necessarily change all the time. And they're just like, yes, plus it's sustainable. And so that's kind of what we've learned on our, on our experience. We're hoping to push this further though, moving forward is really educate our customers more on why we use our materials. I would say that we kind of shied away from targeting other brands. There's brands who use bamboo material. And so we don't want to necessarily call them out because we're not trying to make enemies in this business. We're just trying to run a good business. And we think ours probably is better not using bamboo, but um, we're still trying to navigate how we communicate not using bamboo and how it's greenwashing, basically. Your art creatives, I'm just looking at your website now. The the your meta um ad library and mm-hmm. you know your your ads are really nice they're, they they're very lifestyley colorful um they have that um you know scroll stop effect um so what what is your how do you go about you know putting these creatives together um do what what's the process like um from photography to to the graphics to i mean there's one here i'm seeing which has um which kind of has a silhouette you know um feels like you're on on a vacation and then it has you know well good spy i think gq boss fit daily daily b so these are like um so as featured on on those publications yeah what is the creative process like yeah so basically we have a a set of team who handles the actual media buying and they mm-hmm. use this data that I referred to at the beginning is they use this data to really determine what we should produce next. And then we have a team of people um, or freelancers, I would say, who actually create this for us. But we work with freelancers more on a long-term basis than a um, short-term basis. So where'd you hire the freelancers from? We use platforms like, I think Upwork is the most successful for us with finding video editing and graphic design work. 
we're hoping to get to a stage where we can actually bring somebody in house. But basically, we have a a process where every week our media buyers come up with some data to lead us in a different direction or mm-hmm. a direction at what's working and what's not, and we share that that feedback to our graphic designers or our video editors, and then they produce more content. And so everything you see now is Black Friday, Cyber Monday right now sales. Yeah. And so everything is basically uh, everything that's worked this year for us. So it's a lot of product focused. That's what we see on our end, mm-hmm. not the lifestyle as much as we want to. One thing that we've learned from our businesses it's different for every business, but when we did the ten thousand dollars shoot in Bali and showing this amazing life, or the five thousand shoot in LA, the videos don't really convert as well. People just want to see the product, at least for hmm. the direct response side of it. And so those ones never perform well. It's just a waste of money. And the the content that works the best for us is actually these assets as you see now. Just the product, nice background, maybe some call-outs of some social proof, such as what articles you are in or yeah, mm-hmm. your reviews. That's what's working for us in our business. Hmm. Super interesting. Super, super interesting. Really like it. Really, really like it. Um, how important is like photography? Um, so you have a second brand. Um, do you want to share some, some light on, shed some more light yeah. on, on your second brand and why, you know, so you already have enough work with with Bamboo Have, right? Um, you know, why spin off a second second brand? Um, I'd be very curious. We, we never really touched yeah. on this, um, you know, prior, but yeah, I'll be quite 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 interested to to know why. Yeah, so we have a second business called Vibe Interior, and we focus on interior design um, products. Right now, we mainly focus on canvas art, and we partner with artists across the world. And we get exclusive rights to sell their art in the U.S. basically right now. And Mm -hmm. why we started this, I guess why we started was because I was in this entrepreneur mindset. I really wanted to succeed. It was six months after starting Bamboo Ave. We started Bamboo Ave in June of 2019. Six months later, it was like December. So like right now, it's cold in the U.S. And no one was buying shorts. So I was, I had a lot of time again. I was bored. I didn't know what to do. Again, at the first six months of Bamboo Ave, wasn't too successful either because we didn't read that book and learn how to market. So I one weekend I stayed in. I said, I want to start another business. And I like to play around like on different websites like Behance. And I, I saw there's a lot of art that I wanted to put in my house that weekend. And so I kind of just worked that through. And I said, let me start this business. And we started it. It was actually way easier starting than Bamboo Ave because we learned so much already on the advertising, on the marketing, and how to really communicate to customers. And now, um, three years later, Vibe Interior is way easier running than Bamboo Ave. And but we we enjoy both of them, and so we're really looking to grow Vibe Interior three times next year. And. The focus is really launching international, launching a lot more products. And my ultimate goal is to get back to the Bali, actually, and bring some of the products that I love in Bali and bring it to Five Interior to the U.S. audience. Yeah, I love it. I I really, I like the, the Vibe Interior because, um, yeah, I'm... I'm I, I'm, I'm into art and, um, yeah, just 
the ads, um, the pieces, you know, how the, the choice of pieces um, with, with Vibe Art is really nice. Uh, so, so they're prints, but, but um, you know, they're, they're, they're very, very nice. Some of the abstracts are amazing. I like the one with the cow. Yeah, um, Toro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Interesting, interesting. Um, so what are your plans um, for, for both brands? Um, you talked about, um, you know, bringing some full-timers eventually for... Um, for, for, for Bamboo Ave, uh, you also talked about, um, you know, um, expanding, um, you know, the offering in, in Bamboo Ads. Um, but, but just moving forward, what, what, what are your broad, um, broader goals? Because you're, you're a seven-figure business, right? Is it combined or individual? Individual, they're both seven figures. In, in, amazing. So, so what, what are the plans to, to get, get to eight figures or to sell? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. It's, a, it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently, to be honest. And just because of the market that we're in and worldwide of this recession and how business is going, I know there's some data on e-commerce on how it's kind of dying down in the U.S. based on triple L data. And so basically the way I'm thinking about it is I'm treating 2022. Well, each business is different or 2023. Bamboo Ave, we, our biggest constraint in Bamboo Ave is inventory. So to scale up, so say we doubled two times this year. Well, to double again two times next year, I have to put all of the profits back into the business and because we have zero funding outside. And for me, I think that's a really risky. And if you read the book Shoe Dog, he talks about he did this for 16 years, which is crazy. Every year, taking that much risk on inventory. For me, what I'm focusing on in Bamboo Ave is building it to be a better business by the numbers. And so focusing on the bottom line and what I, what I mean by that and what some tactics that we're going to do to do so is launching more products to get feedback, to see what works well, launching up 20 more designs on the short side and launching women. And when we leave 2023 next year, so a year from now, I feel confident that we'll be in a place where we really understand our trajectory for the next five years of Bamboo Ave what people like, what they don't like, and where we can actually, I guess, predict our brand to go. I really think mm-hmm. 2023 for Bamboo Ave is a year to, for us to figure out, are we selling in three years or are we growing this for 10 years? It's a, it's a year where we have a lot of flexibility to learn, but there's a lot of risk on the table as well. So that's how I'm thinking about Bamboo Ave. And, and what about um, the Vibe, vibe Interiors? For Vibe Interior, because it, we have a supplier, we don't we don't actually have to handle um, inventory. That's the the hardest part about scaling. Our goal for Vibe Interior is just to grow three times next year. So it's totally different than Bamboo Ave. Bamboo Ave, we're like, let's be smarter with inventory, and let's you know try to figure out what's working the best and what else we can launch and grow in twenty twenty four. But this year for Vibe Interior twenty twenty three, we're thinking. This is the time we've learned so much in the last three years about our consumers, what they want. We've done a lot of surveys and now it's really let's let's launch um, to the UK. Let's launch to Australia, to Canada and really show them our art, but also let's launch new products. So we already have Mm. new products in the pipeline. And we right now our growth is to grow three times next year. Okay. For some context to the audience, we're recording this on the 22nd of November, which is about three days to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, which is leading me to my question. 
Why are you running Black um, Black Friday ads for for Bamboo Ave, but I can't seem to see Black Friday ads for for Vibe Interior? So for for Vibe Interior, we are. It just hasn't been. We're going to change the ads actually tomorrow, where it's a more focus. But if you go to our website, you see it's forty five percent off on, on Vibe Interior. For Bamboo Ave, though, it's a lot more focused. And one thing we learned this year in the the e commerce world that the everyone is receptive to sales right now. So. We started early for Bamboo Ave. We thought we were starting early this year, but all of our competitors started even a week earlier than us this year. Yeah. Um, it is getting yeah. crazy. November 1st, I'm like, th- there has to be an ethical line, I think, where we're saying yeah. like, okay. I, I, it's not, it's no longer ethical. I mean, Amazon, you know, um, had two prime days. <laughs> yeah. A prime day and was it October or the start of November? I think it was October. And that's really just share of wallets, you know, so... People can only spend so much and um, they're trying to get there early, right? Exactly. <laughs> they're trying and to I get there. I, I guess here's one of my big things that I think about next year. You I, I don't quote me necessarily on it, but I really do think like this quarter could be one of the last quarters where people are spending this recklessly um, as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, as we saw the COVID bump in 2021, people are spending a lot. But now as we're talking about recession, I'm not a negative person at all, but I'm assuming people are really going to be hit next year after they buy all these gifts and everything. And so that's another reason why we're trying to be a little more strategic with Bamboo Ave next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to speak to a few things. Um, I, I I don't recall the the person, I think it was Steve Harvey I was listening to and, and he was like, you know, in the face of contraction, was it, maybe it was Tony Robbins, in the face of contraction, which is, which is, which is what's, what's about to happen now with the recession, expand. And that really sat with me because everybody's going to be scared to, to, to expand. There's this fear, right? Fear of the market, and a lot of people would say, "Well, I don't have the resources. I don't have the freaking resources to to expand." What, what are you talking about, Kinney? And I was having a conversation. I, I attended an event, a, a small Christmas party on um, on Friday, speaking to to an e commerce um, an e commerce entrepreneur, and um, he is like Kinney. He's he's, he's UK based. Um, but he just is he's literally expanding his international business. It's like, Kene, um, if we were still just focused in the UK, we'll be screwed as a business. We'll be messed up, totally messed up. What has been our saving grace? The reason why we're still growing in the midst of all of this is because we sorted out a 3PL in um, Europe. We sorted out our 3PL in America. The UK now share of business has dropped from almost 30% to 19%. You, you just so in 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 that and he he didn't do that he didn't do that now he started it like a year ago the expansion and mm-hmm. it's just paying its its dividends and it's like you know he didn't know what was coming but he just knew he had to do it because he he felt he was capping out the market I do think that so we've acquired a business um, just this year and when we acquired the business. Two years ago, when the business was operating, they were UK only business, but they started to expand a few SKUs to the U- to the to to Europe um, just early this year, like in January, February, I think. And our saving grace for this business thus far is because we've not even scraped the surface on Europe. 
So there's yeah. so much to grow into Europe that regardless of what's happening in the economy, we're just trying to get market share, right? So I guess my point is, or to, to the audience who are listening to this is, um, you know, try and look through the opportunity in this chaos and in, 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 in this supposed chaos, there's always opportunity in, in the midst of chaos. And we should just try and expand because if we contract, you know, somebody's going to take that space, right? Exactly. I would just add to that is like the way I'm looking at it is if say we are contracting right now, we go through this contraction, maybe two years, mm-hmm. it's going to be the businesses who did stay consistent, who did make it out that are going to thrive in three, five years. And so that's our focus for Bamboo Ave. That's our focus for Vibe. Yeah. Not necessarily scaling back, but just being smarter, being more strategic and also expanding to new markets and new products to, to yeah. stay profitable and growing. Yeah. Yeah, the new market players is so important. And then just a tip, there's a there's this second time I'm actually actually saying this. I, I said it to the um to the previous guest I had today. There's a service called Tread. We personally use it. And they're not, they don't sponsor this this podcast, but they've they've helped. They've helped us. It's called Tread. It's T-R-E-Y-D. Um, what they do is they 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 finance supplier invoices. Um, so let's say you have a supplier invoice due today um it would not be they they'll pay today and then you pay them in four months time and at a rate of so there's there's a royalty fee and then one percent per month and that just you know saves you cash flow to deploy in other growth areas because think about it you know inventory is like (laughs) it's it's weight right it's it's weight money useful for inventory is just it's just a weight on your business it doesn't really bring any returns but if these guys hold the fort for for a quarter and a bit uh, and you then you know use those monies for for marketing to actually grow the brand then you you increase your your cash conversion cycles essentially yeah exactly yeah. So, so yeah, super, super interesting stuff with regards to, to the two businesses and the future of the two businesses. Um, tips to, 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 to entrepreneurs listening, um, in 2023, what, what are your, your thoughts? Um, where this quarter may or may not be good. Who knows? Um, it's, it's all up in the air. Um, but in the midst of this recession, which we've probably been been in for the last two quarters, and from my personal opinion, <laughs> anyway. Um, what 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 are your, your your top tips? I think my top tips right now that we're at least that we're trying to do is just be more strategic. Um, really looking at your business and finding ways to cut costs that don't need to be there. To focus on what's working and doubling down on that and also building the processes and doubling down on your big bets. So one big bet we have for next year in 2023 is telling our story more, using these channels like TikTok and Reels and really show our story. Um, Similar to what I'm doing now in this podcast, I think a lot of people connect with this and they will buy from you. They will grow in love with your brand if you do that. And so that's a big bet that we're, we're taking. Super, super interesting. Super interesting. Okay. Um, we're just about to round up. Um, what I do with, with every founder that comes on here is we have what's called a lightning round. And um, how we go about this is I'm going to ask you about six or seven questions. And if you could use a single sentence to answer each of them, we're okay. 
Perfect. Okay. Are you a morning person? Yes, at times. But as I transition back to the U.S., I haven't been so far in the last two months. It's been every night I'm up until 2, 3 a.m. So, no. Okay. On that basis, do you have a daily morning routine when when um, when you're in, in in the right sort of morning mindset? Absolutely. I hit the gym right in the morning. Um, in Bali, I was living the best life. I was going to the gym in the morning for like two, three hours, working out, running, ice cold bath. Then I come home, eat breakfast, and then I get to grinding for the day until 5 p.m. Nice, nice, nice. Are you into sports? Love sports. I play basketball now in Austin like four or five times a week. Well, what is your favorite team? I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, so that's football or American football. And I am a diehard fan. Won't miss any game no matter where I am. So, yeah. That was hugely empathetic for you, by you, saying, first of all, it's an American football <laughs> um, team, you know, explaining it. That's super, you're an empathetic person for sure. So, what two things can't you live without? Uh, fitness and sun. I need both. My mental health, I have better days. Actually, today I wasn't having a good day, and it's because I didn't go on a walk this morning, just like a five minute walk with my dog. I need mm. the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, is that why you chose Austin? I did, but it's been, it's been gloomy. It didn't snow, but it's been gloomy here for the whole month. So I'm like, I need to get back to Bali ASAP. Bless you. Bless you. What book are you currently reading or listening to? Million Next Door, The Millionaire Next Door. Haven't read it. I just started it and I hear a lot of people talking about it. Okay. 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 Final question is, what has been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's given you the biggest feedback. Biggest mistake is your working best, with a, best mistake. Uh, uh, best mistake is working with a supplier, a new supplier. Mm-hmm. Didn't go through the vetting process, really. He was giving us cheaper prices. We went through the whole process. We got samples. We loved it. Sent, we got the bulk and it was completely terrible. It set us up and it made us a better business, though, because now we know we really have to vet our suppliers. We need quality control and never fall for the cheaper prices. Incredible. Trey, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the 2X e-commerce podcast show. For those listening, Trey runs two brands. One's Bamboo Avenue. The other is Vibe Interior. I would link to both businesses or both brands on the show notes, Trey, are you active on any social media platforms? Yes, I'm trying to build my TikTok. So Trey underscore Brunner. Um, and I have my Instagram, but that's more personal. Okay. We'll link to your TikTok for sure. Thank you so much for coming on the 2X e-commerce podcast. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.